This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. Oh, happy Sunday morning, Melbourne. It's a gorgeous day here in Melbourne and we just love being up at 8am in the morning. I've got my long black and, you know, I don't need a skinny latte. I've always loved a long black and if you think there's a double entendre there, you're quite right. <laughs> my name's Russ Masterton and this is the Escape Hour on Joy 94.9. It is our pleasure to be here today. Fiona Brook, you are gorgeous. You're lovely. You're my favourite you. gal. Thank you. Happy Sunday to you. What did you do last night? Oh, I was actually just was thinking all about the coffee scroll I just had for breakfast. Oh, it was God, so yummy. delicious. You yeah. just need to have sugar with your coffee. Yeah. I've got to tell you. Absolutely. But I had a lovely weekend and my Saturday evening was delightful. Are you um, getting used to this early start on Sunday? Well, I actually do earlies quite well. Do you? I'm pretty good. I think my brain is on all or firing at its best. Come like five o'clock, I'm like, so don't care. So, yeah. Well, you're uh, looking good today. Thank you, darling. Much appreciated. Now, uh, it's getting on to the festive season now. We've got jingle bells happening and we've got all of these amazing things happening in the city of Melbourne. We've got our own little jingler here. <laughs> Stefan, how are good you, morning. Gorge, um, behind the panel there? Um, How's your Sunday going? Uh, very well, thank you. Very well. How is it's your weekend coming up? Oh, good, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, no, no, it's, it's all right. No, you know, not too busy. That's right. Not relaxing. A bit too early for me. Yeah, see, I'm like you. We're, we're like 10 coffees before we get into it. At so least. this is the Escape Hour on Join 84.9. And Fiona, we have a guest today. We do. You know, um, and a couple of us have been to this destination and I know we've really loved it. And today we have someone who's been there twice. That is the lovely David Gale. And we are talking Iran. Look, it's fantastic to be up here at this early morning. And uh, uh, look, it is a beautiful Sunday morning. I've been for run this morning. I oh really love that. Oh my goodness, already? You? I don't know. I sleep in on a Sunday. I get up at about six. So I just squeezed in a little run and it's beautiful along the foreshore where I live. Absolutely stunning morning with that sunrise. A few little clouds there, but you know, not too bad. And uh, you know, I've, I've slept in and I'll be heading off to work soon too. Oh, Straight out goodness. of the studio here, straight to work because it's Sunday. Things it's a big must be retail going day. bonkers for you at the deli. Yeah, look, it's really big Christmas time at the moment. So, uh, you know, all retailers are really busy at this time. Well, they What's should be. What's your favourite ham? Oh, just all of them. Okay. All of them. But I love a bit of Christmas pudding. I don't know. I know you do, Russ. Oh, but panettone. Also, panettone mm. is great. Fiona, do you like a panettone? I don't mind a panettone. I think that sometimes, you know, you've got to get a good one because you don't want it to be too, you know, it could be a bit dry. Oh, but they're not that great. But I prefer like a good old classic Christmas pud mm. with lots of fruit and then, you know, it's got the brandy butter and, you know, it's got the, mm. the, it's got the vanilla you know, custard and the whole the whole shebang. Sounds like that would suit Stefan and Russ for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yeah. But Something. look, if you have me back ever again, I promise to bring you a panettone. Okay. Please. It's a deal. Well, you could definitely come back then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll taste it. Do they have panettone in Iran, do you think? Look, I don't think so. I can't say I've seen a panettone. It is an Islamic country, so yes. I doubt if they're really celebrating Christmas there. <laughs> what are their but desserts? They do from? love well, cakes and desserts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. They're into pudding, aren't they? 
They're into all sorts of things, all sorts of amazing Middle Eastern foods, and I would say almost the pinnacle of Middle Eastern foods. If you really talk about food in the Middle East, it's sort of very similar from Greece right through that Middle Eastern area, but there's variations on it. And I think uh, Persian food, as it may be called, or Iranian food, is just sort of, it's just a little bit off to, on another path and it's very traditional, very old and some amazing dishes are it's made by them. It's quite sophisticated, I yeah. think. I mean, when I was in Iran, I was lucky enough that our tour guide was a chef. Mm. And when wow. Shane Delia did his uh, Middle Eastern TV show, she was his guest in Iran. Mm-hmm. Get out. So it meant that every meal we had, she made us get into like these incredible restaurants mm. um, and always made sure to order like everything. Local like we cuisine. didn't even order. We didn't even order. She just would say, you're having this and just ordered everything. So well, we had you, an incredible, incredible trip. So do you have a little bit of a difficulty with the Farsi language? Well, we didn't have to. <laughs> To actually worry exactly. about the Farsi language because she did the wonderful yeah. ordering for us. And there were times where we were like, oh, you don't have to do that. But I think it was great because, you know, there was so much amazing food. Yeah. So what what kind of food? Because you, So what specifically? What foods? Well, as I'm the vegetarian, there was a lot of um, meat dishes, which of mm. course I wasn't eating. But I think that we should probably refer to our guest mm. since he was there most recently. Um, I mean I just loved so much about the food. You would have had a kebab surely. Look, um, I probably only had one on this trip and I've been to Iran twice now and on the last trip uh, I got a little bit over kebabbed uh, but this time I learnt a little bit more about the food and you know what, I have no idea what the dishes were called but um, we went to um, the Northern Bazaar this time and there's some amazing uh, places. I had a guide that took me everywhere um, because I don't speak Farsi and she would continually say look why don't we try this why don't we try that and I'm open to any food Mm. really Um, and I remember this one green savoury cake and it was one of the most delicious things I've had in my life no idea what it's called but you know the point about Iranian food is that you just need to try everything Mm. um, within reason you know I saw a program on TV recently and they were cooking the sheep's head now that might look spectacular on TV but I can tell you in practice I don't want to eat a sheep's head no not really but um, obviously the the food in Iran is not going to have pork products in it because it's an Islamic country but um, the thing is when you get there just try and you're going to have somebody with you to translate absolutely and they're always going to be somebody local so they're going to encourage you to try different things so there's more like loads of different small dishes yeah yeah you know there's a lot of smorgasbords where Mm. you go to a restaurant and there's this large island of of food and there was like there's yogurt five different ways and there's six different types of bread and then there's all these dips and hummuses and things Mm -hmm. that you can pour on and then there's all these different cheeses and then the salads like there's salads at every meal and then beautiful rice dishes they do it much better than the swagman <laughs> There's also some simplicity about it as well because I travelled down to the mm. south and uh, there was a specific reason I went down to the southwest. But my guide took me to somebody that he knew's house and we arrived there. It was a, a pretty warm day, so we'd been to see a particular monument and we went back to this house and we sat in the front room. So it's quite a separate room from the rest of the house where the family lived, uh, but it's the room. So it's mm. the dress room. It's mm. the room where if you're having guests over, you get them to come in here. And there were p- uh, cushions along the walls and then cu- and, and pillows along those as well and a beautiful carpet in the centre of the room. And we just actually slept for about 45 minutes while they prepared, the family prepared as a meal. Um, and it was, uh, because it was in the south, it was fish 
and it was just encrusted with these amazing herbs and spices. It was a local fish from the Persian Gulf. And then we had uh, basil with just pomegranate molasses over it. And it was freshly grown basil, so it was particularly peppery and absolutely divine. There was a chicken and tomato dish that was just very simple, very chicken and tomato with some other herbs and spices as well. Um, And also a rice that had been turned out of a a mould with saffron and the crusty top. Well, crusty bottom that becomes the crusty top. Yeah, the crusty top. Oh, so Uh, good. Really, really simple food, but just so satisfying and so delicious Mm. and clean, clean food as well. Mm. Yes, definitely. And the other thing is, of course, it's where the it's the home of saffron. Mm. So you can buy saffron very inexpensively in Iran as opposed to here. Did you buy any? I did. Did Yes, yes, absolutely. And of course, unfortunately, I've finished it all now. So I bought. Better go back. I bought a little bit when I was in Tunisia, but you have to be very careful when you buy. You have to buy from a reputed source. And it's all right to bring back to Australia? Yes, because it's packaged and dried. So you're not bringing Mm. back fresh. It's packaged and dried. So I always bring back dried herbs and spice mixes from wherever I come from. Now, look, we've really jumped straight into food on the show this morning. What we might do is uh, go to a break and then we're going to come back and ask David why Iran. So let's go to a break. It's Joy 94.9. This is the Escape Hour. Joy 94.9 is on air 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But sometimes you can't always be with us when you want to. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Listen to your favourite Joy 94.9 show anytime with our Joy podcast service. Our team of over 30 volunteers pick out the best bits from around 60 programs that Joy airs each week, made available to you for free download. To find a podcast of your favourite Joy show, search for us in the Featured Providers section within the iTunes store or find them on the Joy website, joy.org.au. Joy Podcast. Any show, any show, anytime, joy.org.au. You are with us at the Escape Hour on this glorious Sunday morning. Stefan, Russ and Fiona and our special guest, David Gale. He is just coming back from Iran and telling us all about it. We've covered the food section, so if you miss that, you're just going to have to tune in because it's so good. You must also tell us, David, how and why Iran. Now, it's your second time, so that's a really good story. Look, it's funny because the first time I went to Iran, it was actually with Russ and also a a mutual friend of ours. And I think I'd suggested it because, you know, it's a country that's been crossed by the Silk Road in different parts and the the routes have changed over the many centuries. Uh, It's also a country that's packed full of history. And sort of, I don't know, we, we all went there. The three of us went there with a certain amount of intrepidation. No expectations. uh, But also no Mm. expectations. When you arrive in Iran... um, you sort of realise it's just a normal place. Mm. It's so normal. And people have this fear about it and they all wonder about, you know, because we're fed a particular media cycle about uh, relationships on a governmental level. And it's the same with a lot of different countries. Mm. But you actually arrive there and you go, what a normal sort of place it is. And then you've got history that just goes back thousands of years you've got amazing monuments to go and visit oh those which, mosques yeah which oh, aren't amazing. crowded 
they're not crowded. It's not like going to Venice. It's mm. certainly... Or it's, Egypt. It's, not even, mm. it's probably not even like going to Phillip Island. There are so few people at mm. these amazing places. And although it's a country of 80-odd million people, um, the tourism is not huge, but it's so well done as well. Well, those gorgeous blue tiles everywhere and the, the mirror tiles that they use in some of those gorgeous mosques. What, what did you first think when you, when you arrived there? Obviously, you, you, you transferred into Tehran and the next minute you've met your guide and you think... Wow, okay, I'm in Iran. It's not that bad. Where do I get some local currency from? Well, uh, that's where your guide comes in. And as I say, you know, because most people will speak Farsi, you really need somebody to guide you around. And it can be either an organised group tour or it can be uh, a a tour just with a a one-on-one guide. Um, Everything is accessible except for international currency um, via electronic funds. So you can't use a credit card in Iran. You can't use uh, any transfers of electronic cash so you need to make sure you have currency with you most people will take euros with them because that's the most accepted currency Mm. um and but at the same time it's not an expensive country i know this time i think i took about uh 1800 euros with me uh because i thought well you know what if anything happens um but at the same time, I probably struggle to spend a few hundred euros because mm. things aren't very expensive in Iran. Uh, the currency has gone down a lot because of the sanctions on their country. country. And tourism uh, draws from all around the Middle Eastern region, certainly medical mm. tourism mm. and also people that are just looking for a holiday where they haven't been to go and see amazing monuments and historical well, places. Uh, one of the things that I found when I went there is I foolishly tried to exchange um, Australian money into Iranian Real, I think they are. Yes, they are. And of course, you know, the people at the exchange desk were like, uh, excuse me, because it's not a tradable <laughs> currency. <laughs> you just can't get it. So, listeners, don't make that dummy mistake. Euros, yeah. euros or Canadian dollars. No euros problem. or Canadian yeah. dollars. Yeah. And then you exchange it for uh, Iranian real when you're there. There's plenty of exchange people on yeah. the street. Different from memory is different from what the locals use, isn't the tourist real? There's two. There's two. No, there's, two. there's a real and the toma. Uh, yes. uh, but yes. it's just a different way of counting. So, you uh, might buy it is uh, something for 100 Real, which might be only 10 Toma. Uh So you just check how people are expressing the currency. It's only a a 10 times difference. So once you start getting into the tens of thousands, somebody might say, oh, one Toma, which is 10,000 Real. But it's the same physical currency. It's the same Same physical physical currency. currency And it's the same amount, Mm -hmm. but it's just expressed in a different way. So you always check with certain shops if you're buying something because, you know, there are certain traders, certainly in the tourism area, that will... uh, uh, deal in, you know, we'll be able to speak English and sell you, let's say, a carpet or something like that, but you make sure you're talking in Toma or Real before you actually make a purchase. Mm. But it's a pretty simple country to go to, and as I say, Mm. you can't use a credit card in a hotel, so you're going to be dealing in cash most of the time, but it is a safe place, and, you know, I think I got better exchange rate at uh, one of the airport... um, currency exchanges this time. Other times your guide might take you to a a local street vendor where you'll get a good rate. You never go to a bank because you'll get the worst rate. But that's the same here even in Mm. Australia, I think, Mm. I believe as well. Now, many international airlines fly there, which is absolutely fantastic Uh from an Australian point of view of getting there. Visa, what did you have to do there? You'll need to apply in advance with the operator that you're going to use for your touring around Iran. So, 
they will take care of their side of it and send you forms to fill out. Uh, you'll need to provide a photo, uh, but it can all be done electronically. And when you arrive, you must have your... It, it's sort of like a visa on arrival, but you have already filled out the forms. You bring yeah. copies with you. Well, I think what's interesting is you do need to leave plenty of time because if you do uh, not get your paperwork to your uh, tour guide, your travel company, mm-hmm. early enough, if you think that you're going to get a passport, a visa from the Iranian embassy in, t- in Canberra in two no, weeks. No, no, no. 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 In fact, there are, uh, like myself, I ditched it and ended up arriving in Tehran Airport at 3 a.m. in the morning not having a visa. Now, you can, Australians can get a visa on arrival, but I was definitely pooping my pants with a little bit of anxiety because mm. I was like, oh, my God, I'm arriving here. I have no visa. But there, you can get a visa on arrival. They're just a bit gruff how they, they deal with you. They're like, go over there, go over there. But you can do it. And just another little tip. I forgot to take my travel insurance documents with me and they asked me for them. And I said, look, you know, I thought I had them, but uh, I might have an electronic version somewhere on my phone if I can get Wi-Fi. And they said, nope. You'll have to get medical insurance. And I said, really? Well, where do I do that? And they said, just over here. Go to this counter. I went and bought medical insurance for the trip that I was there for a week. It cost me 14 euro. Oh, so about oh. 20 bucks to buy Incredible. medical insurance. Now, Fiona, just sorry to interrupt you, David. While we're on getting to um, Tehran and, and arriving at airports, the big thing for women feet... Headscarves. The minute the plane lands. The minute the plane lands. So you do need to be prepared with headscarves. I had a whole sort of like fashion thing at home where I was like, oh, what about this one? Oh, what about this one? And so I tried on quite a lot of headscarves. But you definitely need to wear headscarves as soon as you get off the plane. When you get to your hotel room, if you go to a reasonably high quality hotel and they bring your bags to the hotel room, do not take your headscarf off until such time as the porter has arrived with your bags because you'll be sitting there, you'll be like, going, oh, thank God, you're getting it off your head. But then all of a sudden the porter arrives and you have to rush and put it back on. So you have to wear a headscarf at all times. You can have, you know, a fringe, you can have a little bit, you can have hair showing, but you cannot, uh, but when you go into uh, certain temples, you have to pull it down and, and hide your hair. And in some temples, they will, um, if you are not dressed appropriately, they have people that walk around with feather dusters oh. and you will get tapped. If your uh, headscarf is not on correctly or if you're not covered properly, you will have they have a little um, feather duster people. Now, now, none of you would have experienced this, of course, because you're men, uh, but uh, you do need to be mindful and you always have to wear a headscarf. Mm. And you should wear clothes that cover your butt, but I did see tourists there that were wearing shirts that would not necessarily cover it, but you do need to be covered. You can't show any part of your legs. You're supposed to wear below the knee, but I found that all the Iranian women just wear pants. They wear pants or jeans. Mm-hmm, yeah. I didn't. I don't think I saw one. I thought one Iranian woman in a long skirt. Did you find the headscarf annoying after? The, uh, I did find the headscarf mm-hmm. quite annoying, and you do have to be mindful of the time of year you're going because if it's going to be really warm, you need to make sure that your headscarf is light enough. It has to hang back far enough. Um, I, I took one headscarf which I wore once, and it was just too heavy. It was mm. like just dragging my hair down. We had a fun experience once where we went to a private home for dinner and we all rocked up with our headscarves and at one point the 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 host said you can all take your headscarves off now we went oh my goodness and we took our headscarves off and all of a sudden because we'd never seen each other without our headscarves 
So we were like, oh, I didn't know you had blonde hair. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, listeners, uh, lady listeners, just keep that in mind. It is a little bit annoying. Small price to pay for an amazing country. For the satisfaction of what you're going to see, you know. And it also changes slightly in cities like Quam, which is a very religious city. Yes. um, Because... Being quite religious, I know our guide the first time she wasn't wearing uh, a hijab as well. And wow. she was, I remember going into a shop with her, and this she had an exchange with the old woman that was running the shop. And it was basically sort of like, Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Shiraz. Well, you know, and she was basically intimidating that she looked like a hussy because she wasn't wearing a hijab at that time. So there's a slight difference in different cities, but you'll, be, you'll be advised as what what you should be wearing and, and uh, uh, how you should look. But, you know, the satisfaction you get from what you're going to see in Iran is well and truly out, uh, outweighed by wearing a scarf. So you started, David, you started in Tehran. Yeah. So what, what did you get to do in Tehran? What is there to to do? Well, Tehran has quite a number of palaces, uh, which are astounding to see. There are the Shah's palaces. Uh, there's also the palace, the green and the white palace, which are up on the mountain uh, in the northern suburbs uh, in a very old part of Tehran. Tehran's probably only, what, 100, 150 years old when it became the capital, probably in the late 1800s. Um, and where was it before that? Persepolis? Uh, no, before that it was in Isfahan, but oh, it's okay. also been in Shiraz. It's, it's been a moving capital, depending on who was ruled at the time. Um, but you like Tehran, though, don't you? Yeah, Tehran yeah. is a huge city uh, connected, uh, connecting all the suburbs with uh, amazing freeways and a, a lot of traffic as well. It's, very, it's quite polluted, though. I yeah, mean, because bit. the, the um, petrol is not necessarily as... It's not refined. I found it to be quite polluted. You do taste the petrol uh, yeah. if you're in a traffic jam, yeah. but it's 10 cents well it was 10 cents a litre when I was there Super uh, cheap. in yeah. uh, September and then of course there were the riots in uh, November where it went up to 15 cents a litre and this was you know, quite an impost on people's lives but and livelihoods, but there are a lot of cars and you know at 10 cents a litre I'd drive to the end of my driveway if I needed to because uh, it, it is very very cheap in that respect. But um, you know there's amazing palaces to to see uh, there's the treasury is the most amazing place did oh, you go to the yes, treasury yes we went to the treasury it was mind boggling see i went back to it on this trip this yep. second trip yep. just to see it again it is astounding the jewels that are held by the treasury and you can't take anything into the treasury it's such a secure area you can't touch the glass cabinets because alarms straight away alert all mm. of the security guards and it's quite a dark area but it is just astoundingly beautiful then there's great bazaar to see, mm. such as the Grand Bazaar, of course. Incredible. And I mentioned the Northern Bazaar as far as food was concerned, but the Grand Bazaar is just astounding. You could spend days just wandering through it. Uh, there's also, um, you know, just just the general way that people get around in Tehran, um, just seeing their everyday life. You can catch an underground um, railway if you want to check out the subway. And I do that in a lot of cities. I don't know about you, Russ, but you get to see how people live, you know, in their everyday life. I and just think it's really important to try public transport when you're overseas. Yeah. And, and it, it's a great way to not necessarily meet the locals, but it's, it's a good, e- efficient way to get from A to B, really. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
And then there's there's shops and people do business in a slightly different way. It's probably a little bit more respectful. I mean, this is a weird country. You know, you arrive there and um, there's no alcohol, obviously, mm. uh, but you arrive there and you think to yourself, you know, how do people meet each other and how do they uh, end up getting married and all that sort of stuff? And it's all to do with either family relationships or relationships from school or university or work. It's a different starting point compared to our culture where we might go out and meet people uh, when we're at parties drinking or at restaurants drinking or doing all those sorts of things. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't drink or anything, but it's just the starting point of their culture, being an Islamic country. It's so refreshing not being on social media 24 hours a day. I mean, these people are walking at parks with each other. They're sitting They're going down to sit having in a tea picnic, houses. You know? yes. yeah, tea Tons of tea houses, houses yeah. and where they smoke the hookah pipes and, you know... They're, it's they're, social. It's very, very social. I and mean, the gardens. And the, the gardens, gardens are amazing. The gardens are glorious and people sitting in the gardens and young couples mm. and... There's one that know, I can't remember the name of but it actually straddles over this freeway and it's quite high up and you look over this freeway and into these huge forests as well. And it's in uh, the northern central part of Tehran Absolutely astounding, mm. mind-blowing garden uh, with tea houses on the sides and all mm. those sorts of and things. And then again, David and I were only sort of really told about this, but for you experienced it, that once um, people get behind closed doors and they're in the privacy of their own homes, it's, you know, scarves off and laid back and it's just like any other human being in the in the, in the world. It's, let's catch up and have, a, and, and have a meaningful conversation and a few laughs. Once again, it's a country that makes you think, what are people doing? They want to go to work. They want to come home, uh, care with their family, uh, get some foods, find some peace in the world and then rinse and repeat and do the same thing. Uh, You know, it's a very basic society and it makes you actually sort of question uh, where we've gone off on a different tangent. And you mentioned social media before. Social media is available in Iran but not readily available. So you'll need to use different patches, for instance, to use Facebook. Now, I was there and I wasn't using Facebook and I went, oh, gee, this is quite refreshing. I was Mm. reading books. Or you can't uh, look at Twitter. You can't um, look at, you know, I'm an Airbnb host here in Melbourne. I couldn't look at Airbnb. Quite a number of sites were just not available and that's part of their government control. But I've got to tell you, Take some of that out of the picture and, boy, do you relax. Good morning. You yes. are on Joy 94.9. This is The Escape Hour. Your community is our business. Joy 94.9. You're listening to The Escape Hour on Joy 94.9. Our guest today is David Gale, and we're talking all things Iran with uh, also Russ and Fiona. So, David, just before the break, you were talking to us about social media. And obviously, social media is big in uh, LGBTIQ life. Uh, what Look, is I'd also say that it's probably quite large in Iranian people's lives as well because it is a source of outside uh, news. And I suppose if you were thinking, oh, you know, what's happening in the world, you'd find ways to get um, onto social media as well. You'd find patches and things like that. You use a VPN service, yeah, Yeah. which is what I did when I was there. Yeah. Which you can use in China as well in this country, that control. But in terms of uh, being a a Muslim country and, you know, which it's not very... Uh, LGBTIQ friendly in terms of rights. Um, did you get to use any of those dating apps, or did you? How do people meet each other? Well, um, well they don't call me Mister Scruff for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, this is a country that punishes people uh, with death for, um, for uh, certainly between males for homosexual sex. Now, that's not to say homosexual sex doesn't go on. 
uh, between males mm. in Iran. And I would say that probably anybody that is arrested and put to death would be to do with high-profile cases or to do with flouting laws and things like that. It is a very strict country in that sense. Adultery is another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh, um but uh, anyway, mm. the, well, let's so, not get too far into yeah. that. <laughs> Goodness knows. Um, while I was there this time, I actually turned on my scruff. Uh, Grinder didn't work. And, you know, I'm in a, a relationship, but I like to um, meet other people that are gay in other countries. And it's a great way to meet people. Uh, this time I actually didn't um, hook up with anybody. But firstly, I was um, surprised that scruff did work. So, you know, maybe it was just the government wasn't aware of this particular app. Mm. Uh, you'll find, like, in a, a certain other countries where homosexuality isn't viewed as as a priority uh, in their society or a disdain uh, at least um, that people won't have profile photos um, and also you know I, I try to find people that might be interesting that might want to meet up and actually go and see things and that way you get local knowledge uh, if they're English speaking this trip I didn't find anybody that particularly uh, I was interested in in meeting but that is one way that if you want to meet other LGBTI people in that country you're gonna to have to be careful um, but at the same time I wouldn't actually go to an Islamic country where the death penalty is involved to have sex with somebody. I do think it's important to point out, sorry, Stefan, for interrupting, but when you go to a... If you're travelling with your partner or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, if you are travelling and you are looking to book a hotel room, you should not assume that you should book a double room. No. Because um, unless you're in... Uh, one of the more um, sophisticated or more open cities, you should probably not assume that. So people should be aware that they may need to book two rooms or certainly book a twin. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to respect to say that and to respect the, that and to respect the fact that it's it is there are some harsh penalties to say the least. Yeah, um, in terms of so I didn't feel intimidated by no. that by any means, but at the what? same time, it's not a country where you're going to go and look for your next boyfriend mm. unless you go to the local bridge. <laughs> really, is that what you've been doing? I think that's what happens. Local bridges, I've been anyway. told. Hey, listen, so um, is, is Iran one of those places where men hold hands and and women hold hands? Was that, is that something you saw? A lot of cultures of, of Middle Eastern uh, countries, uh, men are particularly affectionate to other men, mm. and that's just to do with their culture. That's a cultural difference. One, one uh, Christmas, David was kind enough to put together a um, Men of Iran calendar for all of us. So we did a trip nice to work. Iran, and he was taking uh, pictures of gorgeous Iranian men. Persian men are very hot, as I'm sure you can all appreciate. Well, you know, I've kept that calendar. It's permanently on October. And um, (laughs) I I, I must say that I must get back there again for that very reason, yes. Yeah, they are a a very beautiful uh, race of men. Um, But, you know, uh, know, it's still to do with people's tastes. But, um, yeah, the people are are very beautiful, uh, the Iranian people. Absolutely lovely and really wonderful to spend time and generous Without doubt. So now we, we really have had trouble getting ourselves out, out of, of Tehran. Oh. Um, so there is a number of incredible cities. Can you give us a rundown on some of the other destinations? Okay, do not miss Isfahan. Oh, gorgeous. It is spectacular. So what is there to see there? Isfahan has a very large square with mm. a royal mosque, uh, a royal palace, uh, a regular mosque and also uh, a big... Um, wall where there's a market all the way around it. It is spectacular. It is Islamic architecture at its greatest. And I've mentioned to Russ before, because we went to the Taj together, that 
in a way, travelling all around Iran and seeing so much Islamic architecture, um, it sort of ruined the Taj a little bit for me because mm. I saw it and thought, I understand this building, but I've seen better. It is spectacular to go to Isfahan. And in fact, I think I should have gone back to Isfahan on this trip because yeah, I've been um, five sp- years before. I sp- certainly spent some coin in that market. Yeah. And I, there is a stunning rug uh, supplier right in there. Not on the square, but just off the square. But there you go. And I think these mosques and palaces are as good as anything you're going to see in in places like, um, well, uh, Taj Mahal, Egypt, uh, Petra. It's right up there with them. And they've also restored and maintained those buildings uh, very beautifully as well. Mm. Uh, Also, Shiraz is fantastic to go down to. Shiraz is is a largish city, but I remember we went to a very tiny mosque which we went inside and we were blown away, if you remember. Mm. It was uh, the, the Iranians or the Persians have used uh, tiny mirrors offset mm. uh, throughout a lot of buildings, whether they be palaces or mosques. Yeah, they're like disco mirror ceilings. It, it yes. looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah. And the whole of the interior of this small mosque just outside of Shiraz just blew us away. Mm. And then we went on to see a larger version, well, a giant version of that in Quam later on. But uh, when you go down to Shiraz, Persepolis is very close by and it's from the uh, Safford period, which is Xerxes the Great, Darius the Great and a number of other rulers. You're right on it. And it's a huge um, See, I love site. ancient ruins. So for me, yeah. walking Persepolis through... Persepolis is stunning. Did, Really, just we gorgeous. arrived there, and there, there might, might have been a hundred or two hundred people there. And this is a yeah. vast archaeological site. It and is. It uh, does not feel crowded at all. No, um, and it's huge. And but do wear a hat, please, when you're out there, even on top of your headscarf, because it can be very hot. And there are no trees. So, talking about heat, what's the best period to go to Iran? What would be the best period? Where did you go, David? September? Well, this one, this one I went in September, which is probably just after the heat of summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went down to the southwest to see Chogham Zambil, which is a 3,500-year-old uh, ziggurat, which was my quest, uh, my driver said to me, look, you know, it's about 40 degrees outside. And I said, uh, don't worry, I'm an Australian. <laughs> and it was pretty warm. I arrived at this ziggurat. I was the only person there. I'm checking out the most amazing quest for me to see this uh, ziggurat from Mesopotamian times built in Iran rather than Iraq or further over in the to the west in the Middle East. Uh, and I was the only person there and I, I just saw this amazing place. So September may be a little bit early. October's great. Yeah, I was and there in October. I think the time that Russ mm. and I went was uh, March. probably March sort of time, which I think is even better time to go because you arrive in Tehran and the mountains are still snow-capped. And it's not cold in uh, Tehran at that time, but just to see the city Mm. and then the snow-capped mountains that they're so famous for is just spectacular as well. I think of interest also is that when you book... Uh, there are plenty of um, online tour operators that, that look after uh, Iran and they're all local tour operators. I think what's interesting though, you're almost guaranteed to be your, um, either in a small group or it will be your own group with your own guide. And, and that just makes it so much more interesting when you're, when you're learning the history about the places yeah. you're going to. And look, I just, I mean, for me, I kind of fell in love with Yads. What did you guys think? I loved Yaz. Yes, I thought that was excellent. We stayed in a hotel called Hotel Dad. 
That was one of the things <laughs> I remember about Yads. <laughs> well, we stayed in a, a gorgeous hotel too. Uh, Yads is known for the wind towers over all mm, of these yes. buildings. And they're quite tall and they draw air down. And if you go to visit them in the early evening, in the dusk, it's really, really beautiful. And the old city has uh, quite a, a maze of mm. laneways which are all stoned and absolutely beautiful laneways mm. that you can get, get a little bit lost in, but mm. eventually you'll find your way out. And below most of the buildings, there's also an intricate um, waterway network where water actually comes through. It's been, I, th- I think it comes from, uh, I'm not sure where the water comes from, but it's sort of tunnelled underneath mm. most of the old city. And uh, we stayed in an older hotel, which was below ground. Um, you know, there's a structure above ground, but then you go down and then there's an open area with rooms looking over it with beautiful sails, the wind towers. And we actually went down to the actual water uh, where it came through underneath mm. the hotel and saw all of that. It's quite a spectacular city and at night time you can go onto roofs and see the sun setting mm. between all of these uh, wind towers. And it's hear the call to prayer. Yeah. Beautiful. Which you'll hear a lot. Yes, morning and night. But it's funny because I don't know whether you've noticed it, Fiona, when you leave, you start to miss it. Oh, without <laughs> doubt. In a way. I love the call to prayer. It's one of the nicest, most beautiful sounds, as long as your hotel or your bedroom is not right next to the call to prayer. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the Escape Hour. This is Joy 94.9. Fun people, fun shows. Joy 94.9. Good morning, Melbourne. You're on the Escape Hour. This is Sunday morning. Join only 4.9. And we are so excited to have our special guest today, David Gale, who has been to Iran. David, I know I went to Iran with you once. One of the things that I really loved was um, a flight that we took. I think it was from Tehran to um, Isfahan. And what I really um, enjoyed about it was the male flight attendants. They all looked like men with big moustaches from the 1970s. You got quite a padding down as well, if I, I remember. I did get quite a padding. Well, I've got fake <laughs> hips, you see. Russ, you mentioned the calendar before. Yes. Men of Iran. Yes. Are they featured in that calendar? They, they most certainly weren't because David was uh, a bit a bit uh, camera happy with his old selfies as we were going um, <laughs> going through around. So I don't none, none of these men knew that they were being put together for calendar. Uh, and I, look, I don't think airports are really good place to be taking photos of security well, personnel either. I was a bit either. surprised. I um, do have my fake hips, and I was taken uh, away several times. You were and separate. I had, well, I had a full body search in, in both situations, and I must say it was almost pleasurable. <laughs> I think I you were told you'd drop your pants more than once. Yes, I I was told to drop my pants. And I think something that was equally as exciting and amusing was um, we couldn't read any of the signage with David coming out of the female's toilet. Oh, that was particularly (laughs) good. An old woman was yelling out at me and and I didn't know what she was saying. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I believe... Anyway, anyway, that's another story. Um, Apart from airports and... What are you, what were your favourite sites there or favourite places? Oh, look, um, there's so much to see and, you know, I travelled around Iran the first time for about three weeks. This trip was particularly to go and see Chagam Zambil in the southwest, and that was because I'd missed seeing it the time before. And this time I mooched around Tehran a little bit more and really enjoyed the city. But um, Tabriz up in the north is an mm. excellent city to go and visit. Uh, the people are so friendly. I remember trying to find a particular restaurant in a guidebook, and we couldn't find it in the end, but people were offering to drive us down different streets. It's and annoying. the Persian people will do that. They'll say, you know, I went into a store one day to get some um, something 
uh, and somebody recognised me as an English speaker. It was only a little local shop. And he said, oh, you must come for dinner tonight and come to my house. Now, I wasn't able to do that, but that's the generosity in the nature of, of having people uh, come and visit. They're very hospitable people, the Persians, and uh, they they will, you know, offer anything. But Tabriz is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, some great shopping around Tabriz as well. Uh, it's a, a city where a lot of people come from over the border from the stands to get medical treatments mm. because the Iranians are leaders in medicine in uh, that region. So mm. people will go and get nose jobs in particular and also mm. hair plugs. Uh, a lot of people will get their hair done because it doesn't cost that much. Don't look at me. Well, if you want <laughs> if you want to get your hair plugs done, you may want some on your back or something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely Tabriz is fantastic. Uh, Kerman Shah in the far west um, towards, it, it's pretty close to the uh, Iraq border, but uh, there's no real great problems in uh, in Iran. Um, it's it's much more rural and a very different feel about that as well. And there's some great uh, little towns along the way, along the routes uh, that you will, that hopefully a guide will take you to. That uh, you know, there was one town we went to, and uh, I said to. Um, uh, the mate that I was travelling with, I said, uh, what are we going here for? And we looked it up in the guidebook and it said that this town was inhabited by 32 uh, one-toothed old women. And sure enough, it was it was just this really old town and their houses were built into the mud, into the mountain. Mm. And it was just spectacular to see. Um, I think also Shush is an interesting city because it's not far from Chogham Zambil and there's a lot of um, Iranian history or Persian history going back thousands of years. Um, because Did you visit that incredible valley where the Zoroastrians used to do their sky burials? Um, with the, where they went up to... Yeah, yeah with, those, yes. with those maces and they would line the maces with the, with the bodies and they had all those sort of little um, old hostels mm. that are very, very old and now just like caves, but those old hostels where people would stay and it's, it's the Zoroastrian area and I can't remember the name of the valley, but it was but so But they'd always beautiful. leave the bodies up there for they the clothes to eat there. and things mm. like that. Uh, yes, so the Zoroastrians did not believe in burying uh, their dead because no. the Zoroastrians believed that the body was polluted and it shouldn't go into the ground. The most famous Zoroastrian was Freddie Mercury. Of course. Yes. Fiona Brooke, you've inspired my <laughs> Sunday, oh, I tell you what. And the Zoroastrians, because of course this practice has been outlawed um, and the Zoroastrians oh. today bury their, their past, their loved ones in concrete mm. So that the soil will not be soil touching them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, neither shush. of you felt unsafe in Iran at any time, did you? No, no, no not no, at all. Not at all. So mm. that because you had guide, or you've organised it very well. I guess I was with a guide, but um, not at all times. And so there were times, of course, that I would be off with a, a couple of the other women on the trip and no we never felt threatened i mean it was i think it was quite obvious that we were foreigners um but you know people were polite they were nice you asked questions you know people weren't rude um i mean occasionally you might see an uh, an older person who might tisk you because your headscarf's a little bit slippy 
but generally speaking... They don't have a feather at the time. They didn't think, have a feather, that's You know, right. it is a rather hard-line country. I would expect that if somebody was stealing from a tourist, they'd be severely dealt with. Yes, uh, certainly there was nothing like that. I think that they welcome people there to learn about their country and they also want to make it really clear that they're Persians. And if you and remember proud. a little bit earlier in this year, and it was just before I went away, uh, there was um, an announcement that an Australian citizen was being held in jail and she was a lecturer in a university. Now, we don't That's know right. the backstory to that. Mm-hmm. And there were also two tourists who had come from Western Australia and they were driving across the Middle East and they were put in jail because they were taking photos with a drone mm-hmm. over a military town. And the town that they were in actually is a military town and that's all that it does. Um, so, dumb you know, hats on. This is tra- these exactly. are travellers with dumb hats on. It's yeah. the sort of thing they wouldn't do, um, just as... Um, you know, uh, it would be the same in any country mm. if you start doing that. We went past a nuclear facility at one stage, Lucas and myself, and we said, well, what's that over there? And they said, that's a nuclear facility. Don't take any photos of that. Mm. Um, I think the, the Iranians are slightly paranoid that you may be a spy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might jokingly say, your guide might say, oh, you know, you're not a spy, are you? But, you know, they're a little bit paranoid in that sense. Uh, military, I saw on this trip because uh, down in Ovaz, they had the... Um, anniversary of the Iran-Iraq war and they were celebrating the end of that or the the beginning of that war even though nobody won either side of that Uh, but there was quite a bit of military there because the year before um, ISIS had had uh, somebody infiltrate their parade and blow themselves up and kill Mm -hmm. a number of people so there was some military there but it it wasn't oppressive or anything like Mm -hmm. that and they certainly weren't searching people Uh, we just drove Mm -hmm. through. Yeah. And again, it's a country where what we get a lot of is the um, the political spin. So it's right. always from an American point of view, whereas whereas once you actually arrive there, mm. these are just human beings. No, they're not the axis of evil. No, they're, they're just not normal whatsoever. people going to work. But I think, like we, we say on the Escape Hour, we recommend, like with any destination, things change, can change quite quickly. So before you set off, check the DFAT advice. Mm. And, and DFAT sure says do not travel. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as far as getting travel insurance, you'll need to shop around for travel insurance. Yeah, I can tell you, you can get medical insurance for 14 euros. But at the same time, I was able to still get it quite easily as well. Uh, but although, you know, you can't necessarily be put up, but, you know, be aware of those, be aware those risks. Be aware and do your research and, and, yeah. and, and make sure you're sensible with what you're doing. Uh, to sum it up, Iran, amazing. Could not recommend it highly enough. Rewarding. Very rewarding. rewarding. Travel. Absolutely. David Gale, thank you so much for coming in and seeing us today. Now, we will have you back in a few weeks to talk about your fabulous trip to Lebanon. It is Sunday morning. Good morning and have a great day. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.